This is the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast, presented by eCity Interactive. eCity creates websites, marketing campaigns, and magic for higher ed institutions, large and small. Every digital challenge has a solution. eCity's talented team of problem solvers will help you find yours. And now, here's your host, Stephen App. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. I am your host, Stephen App. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different here. Uh, we're taking the fun of a normal hashtag higher ed po- uh, podcast episode and we're multiplying it by four. We've got a panel discussion that I think you're really going to enjoy today on social media takeovers. And of course, more guests means less time that you have to listen to my voice. Uh, and with that in mind, let's get right to it and meet those panelists. Uh, first up, she is the integrated marketing coordinator at Wheaton College in mild stomping grounds of Massachusetts. Anise Barbosa. Anise, welcome to the podcast. Hello, happy to be here. Thank you for inviting. A little bit further south in Knoxville, Tennessee, she is the social media manager at the University of Tennessee. Uh, Rebecca Winkler, really excited to have you. Thanks for joining. Hi, thanks for having me and go Vols. We are dipping in across the pond a little bit uh, and moving to the UK. He is the head of content at Net Natives, but previously the social media lead at the University of Warwick. Uh, Dave Musson, thanks so much for joining the Hashtag IRED podcast. Thanks for having me, Stephen. It's great to be here. And also joining us from the future, and from the future meaning five hours ahead, also in the UK from the University of Surrey, he is the head of creative and digital services. Tim Schwarz, welcome to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much. So I think we've got a really fun show today on, like I said, the benefits of social media takeovers and everything you really wanted to know about social media takeovers. But let's take a little bit you know, of a step back here and start with a broader view and, and talk about why that you each, you know, what led you each to experiment with social media takeovers. And Tim, I'm going to start with you because I know you mentioned you actually took your inspiration uh, from a different, from the commercial sector. That's right, Stephen. So um, the 10 years prior to my working at the University of Surrey, I actually spent in the commercial sector, and I definitely see parallels with the rise of influencer marketing as a whole. When you think about delivering a fun, authentic and interesting perspective from someone very obviously passionate about your brand, it's a really powerful and infectious tool. Now, I know it can be expensive and often quite challenging in commercial industries, but I do feel it's simpler in higher education with the opportunity to tap into the passions and experiences of potentially thousands of influencers living on your doorstep. And the diversity on offer from a large pool of students allows for these social media takeovers to be both intriguing to broad audiences, which is one challenge, but also allows us to get focused on targeted areas of of business growth as well. Anise, I know you mentioned this goal of being less markety. I think that was the official term that, that you used when we were talking about this earlier. Can you talk a little bit more about what you were looking for in terms of that authentic messaging? Um, yes, most of our social media channels here at Wheaton tend to be outwardly facing. So they serve the alumni, the prospective students and the parent constituency. And um, our students kind of wanted to see campus life through their own lens. So um, that's what I mean by less marketing. They didn't want the brand voice behind it. They didn't want to hear from Wheaton necessarily. So they wanted to hear from peers. So 
and they were begging us to start a Snapchat channel. So we thought it would be a good way to marry the two goals. So have a student run Snapchat account. And Dave, I know you mentioned along similar lines that no matter how human a brand can try to make its copy, it's, it's just not quite the same as, a, as an actual student taking over that account. Yeah, that's right. I mean, a, a social media takeover, it was, it was something I'd been desperate to do for a long time while I was at Warwick, simply because they add so much value. And like you say, no matter how human or, or how on point your social tone of voice is or, or how good your copy is, chances are if you get a real student on your accounts, they're almost always going to be far better at it than you will be. And they're going to create content that is going to resonate far more strongly with your prospective students. Um, so when I was at Warwick, I mean, we'd, we'd handed over the keys to some of our students to run the Twitter account that we reserved for our open days a couple of times, but we'd never really let anyone loose on the main corporate accounts. Um, but once I found out I was going to be leaving Warwick, I sort of became even more determined to get a proper takeover done. And uh, thankfully, before I finished, we, uh, we managed to get something done on Instagram that worked really, really well. Yeah, and I know since everyone first kind of adopted this tactic, they've really rapidly changed. Rebecca, you in particular, I know just mentioned from a quantity perspective, you really ramped up your efforts from kind of a, a once every once in a while to, to just all the time. Can you talk about that growth in the actual tactic? Sure. Well, I will say it's um, we're not as all the time as we would like to be during the summer. It's just harder to find those students. Um, but it you know, you talk about with social media feeding the beast are, um, I think similar to Anise, you know, our students really wanted us on Snapchat and we were a little resistant. Um, but having our students take over that channel for us is an easy way for us to have content. I know content, you know, consistency with your content is a struggle for a lot of social media marketers. Um, but letting the students do that is easy for us. It's easy for them to do. They all want to do it. Um, but it, it's, just kind of become a cycle that feeds itself and that the more we do it, the more interest we've had from students who want to do that for us. Um, and it just keeps that channel, um, you know, entertaining, but also informative for the audience. And just to echo what everybody else said, um, our students would much rather hear from each other on Snapchat than from, you know, some 30 something year old person who works in our marketing office. No, how, no matter how much we might try to think otherwise, right? Oh, yeah. We all think we're young and cool, but the more we think we're young and cool, we're so not. <laughs> Tim, I know for you, as you've adapted, you've actually moved into a couple different platforms aside from Snapchat. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. And it's been quite a quick evolution, I'd say. Um, as you said, we, when we first started out, it really was through a single output, and that was through Snapchat takeovers. Um, and it really was with only a small, distinct group of students. Um, and expanding out seemed to be that logical step in terms of the types of, types of takeovers, such as trialing Facebook Live, for example. Um, and we've expanded the number of hosts as well as we identify more confident and creative people. Anise, I'm curious to, to hear you talk about this, this growth in your social media takeovers, because I know you started... Uh, with maybe you know a student ambassador who would do an on-campus event, but but now you're you're juggling a couple of different takeovers, even on a weekly basis. With also you're grabbing a different pool of students. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So we started with one student ambassador who covered um, on-campus events for us, and we were thinking more of the prospective audience to let them 
peek in um, into the Wheaton experience. And so about two to three events every week. Um, but this past academic year, we've expanded it a lot and we do about two to three weekly takeovers from on campus and from students studying abroad. And our content has also become more robust and we highlight many areas of the student experience like internships, the study abroad experiences, athletes and campus life. Um, we have things that called team houses. They change every year. It brings students together based on their common interests. So we highlight what those are and show both on-campus students and prospective students the broad range of the Wheaton experience. Before we get into any of the specific logistics of running these social takeovers, I'm curious to hear just some highlights with you all. And, you know, Dave, I know that you kind of started off your social media takeovers with a bang, uh, kind of taking a page from, from James Corden a little bit. Yeah, we certainly did. Well, I mean, I mean if we're exporting that kind of thing over to US, you'll, you'll know what, you'll probably know what I'm going to say. But um, yeah, on our Instagram takeover, the two students who, who did it, they started their day with their own version of carpool karaoke for their drive into campus. Um, so it was, a, it was a great way to, to, to allow people to really get to know those two students. Um, so they were singing along to Disney so songs all the way in. Um, but I have to say, I, I think the highlight of, of their takeover was actually later in the day. Um, so the two students, they, they went live during the lunch hour. Now, this was something I'd suggested to them to try if they felt confident about it. I mean, I knew they'd be very, very good at it, but I didn't make it a requirement. I didn't want them to feel like they had to go live. Um, but they went for it and they, they were live for about 40 minutes over the lunchtime. And they had about 50 people watching them and they answered, it was more than 120 questions about life at Warwick in that 40 minute block. And they did brilliantly. And, you know, 50 people might not sound like a lot when you're looking at the numbers that you might get on social media, but that was 50 people who were being taught to directly by our students and were really engaged. And it was it was such a genuine and powerful session um, and it was really useful for marketing team as well. So we were, we were frantically scribbling down every question that got asked during that session. And we made sure we shared that with the wider team afterwards, because those are real questions that real prospective students wanted to know. So that, that insight was so powerful because we knew what they wanted to know rather than just assuming we knew what they needed to hear, if that makes sense. So yeah, go, going live was a real, real standout moment for us. And Rebecca, jumping on that, I know you also have a memorable moment with a social takeover where you actually had a student almost directly after watching a takeover that contacted that student. Is that right? Yeah, we um, we did a takeover, um, I guess, about two weeks ago now with, of course, I think like a lot of schools were in the middle of orientation season. So we had one of our orientation leaders take over our Snapchat account for two days um, just to show, you know, the behind the scenes of what orientation is. We thought it would be exciting for the students who are home for the summer and kind of missing campus, but also for those who have yet to go through orientation. So the student did a great job just really, um, you know, kind of having that energy that you always want a student in this position to have and having the love for our school. Um, did a great job of showing off um, the orientation experience, but also just life here. And so the next, uh, after his takeover was over, a prospective student um, found the orientation leader on Instagram and left a comment on one of his photos saying that because of the Snapchat takeover, he now knows that he wants to come here. This is his top choice just because of the view that he got to see. So that was um, a really big moment for us. And it's nice to be able to go to 
our leadership and say, hey, you know, the time that we're spending on these is is worth something because look at the impact it's having. Anissa, I know that your memorable moment is a little bit scarier. Do you want to talk about what happened with a student who was studying abroad in London? Uh, yes, this past spring we had a student doing a takeover from London on the same day that, of the Westminster Bridge attack. Um, as soon as the news broke, I reached out to the student to see if she was affected. Thankfully, she was not. Um, she took a little bit of a break uh, for her, the takeover and she reached out to all the other Wheaton students and then posted a message saying that everyone from Wheaton who was in London was okay. Um, it was a learning moment for me um, and I'm sure for her as well, but it's very important as, a, as with any other type of communication to pay attention to what else is happening in the world and having contingency plans and making yourself available for the person that is doing the takeover in case something does happen. And Tim, slightly less serious, but I know you also had a, a learning moment with a social takeover with a topic that, or a strategy that you thought was going to, to be brilliant, but the reviews were a little bit more mixed. That's right. Yeah, I think certainly key learning. Um, for me and the team, the most memorable Snapchat take takeover moment, I to say, was with a music PhD student here at the University of Surrey. Um, and they planned for it to be very funny, purposefully quite jokey. And when we reviewed it, you know, we and the team thought it was excellent. We loved it. Um, but in the end, it did get mixed reviews. So our, our learning really was that it goes to show it's, it's worth experimenting and see what best engages your audiences. I want to move to the sourcing and the vetting of candidates, because I think for administrators who might be concerned about social media takeovers, I think the big concern tends to be control and giving up that control. Uh, but of course, sourcing and, and vetting the candidates can really uh, you know, assuage those concerns. So do some of you want to talk about how you go about uh, vetting the candidates that you use for these takeovers? I'm going to hopefully guess that I'm not the only one that just does a ton of stalking uh, when we have students who are either asking to do a takeover or um, if we've asked someone specifically or, you know, found someone specifically want to do it, um, I try to reach out to any faculty or staff that I know on campus who may have a relationship with a student, whether, you know, I know that they're in a particular major or they work in a certain office. Um, but I, I spend a lot of time just sort of looking at what are they tweeting? What are they Instagramming? So you get a kind of feel of, you know, their interests, but also um, their decision-making, if that makes sense. Um, so, and we, of course, have an agreement that they have to sign and meeting someone face-to-face -face is a big, big part of it. Um, but we also know that we can log in and kick them out if we need to. Certainly at the University of Surrey, um, and we're probably in quite a fortunate position um, because a, a student ambassador overarching program actually came before social media takeover started with our students. Um, the student ambassador program is generally seen as very positive um, and very useful across the university. Our student ambassadors support in lots of different ways, including events such as open days, they write blogs, they feature in case study articles, etc. So it was quite an easy and natural step for us to expand their, their kind of contracts from just blogging to become a social media ambassador. Um, and that, again, it was very easy to, to run this through senior management because there was that trusted program in place already. 
As part of their onboarding, they are also interviewed by the social media team separately in order to make that step to become a social media ambassador. We ask them to plan out a Snapchat story for a student audience as part of that process. And if we like their idea, we then ask them to do it for their first takeover and see how it went. And what's quite nice as well is that our social media team here, they try and identify any students who might be good for takeovers through their day-to-day -day jobs. Um, lots of interaction with my team um, involved with other marketing and recruitment activity. And we get a chance to see a glimpse of their personalities, their creativity, and how well they interact with the public as well to see if they'd be suitable for a, a Snapchat takeover or Instagram takeover, for example. Yeah, Dave, do you want to uh, piggyback on that in terms of reaching out to students who may already be creating content and you think you've almost kind of vetted them proactively before you've even reached out to them? Yeah, definitely. So for the Instagram takeover that I organized at Warwick, um, we didn't necessarily go down the route of social media ambassadors or anything like that. It was it was a lot more simple. It kind of came down to coffee and conversations. Um, so in the summer of 2016, we'd become aware of a, a couple of first year students who had started their own YouTube channel about the university. So they went by the name of, of Mambo5. They sort of took that that their name after that song, which I later found out came out when they were two, which made me feel hideously old. Um, but their their content was absolutely amazing. They were doing like they did this video of expectations versus reality at the end of their first year at Warwick, and they did tours of campus. It was just really really good stuff. Uh, so I reached out to them that summer to see if they'd be happy to to meet up for a coffee and a chat when they were back on campus. Um, and that's what we did. And we, we met up with them for a, uh, a few times. They helped push some of our campaigns through the year. And we shared some of their content on our own channels as well. Um, and we also got them in to do some some basic video editing training with our, our in-house video team, which just helped build that relationship, really. Um, so over time, as I say, we, we, we became friends with them. Um, and when it came to thinking about doing a social media takeover, you know, I, I just knew that not only would they be very good in front of the camera, because that's what they do all the time, they were confident with each other as well. Um, and to be honest, I floated the idea with them. It didn't really take much at all to convince them to do it. Um, um, and we went with it from there, really. Yeah, you're all, I noticed, meeting with these individuals in person. Uh, are social searches in terms of evaluating their other content part of that vetting process as well? Yeah, for all the groups um, that we reach out to after we receive recommendations, I do a social search to see how they choose to represent themselves online and narrow down the list that way. For the takeovers that do happen on campus, I then meet with them in person to pitch the idea, engage their interests and comfort level. And for the takeovers that happen when students are abroad, after doing the online check, I follow up via email. And for all students, obviously, we have guidelines they must agree to. Yeah, let's talk about guidelines a little bit. Is everyone have a documented agreement and need signatures with these uh, social media ambassadors? I, I we I, I mentioned ours earlier. We have an agreement. Um, it's I don't think overly complex. It goes over you know what what you should do as far as kind of the processes of introducing yourselves and, you know, saying farewell at the end, but um, also, you know, things that you absolutely cannot do. A big one for us has been um, reminding our students that they cannot promote businesses or, um, you know, uh, where they work. We, we had a, an instance with um, 
some students who uh, told our Snapchat followers if they came to the store where they worked, they could and mentioned Snapchat, they could get twenty percent off. Um, and that's just a, a road that we don't want to go down. Uh, we, of course, encourage them to promote themselves all day long as much as they want, you know, and tell people to follow them on their own personal channels. Um, but our, our general rule is, and I don't know if everybody will get this or not, um, if they wouldn't say it on Golden Girls, you can't say it on our channels. Um, and so I don't know if Golden Girls has made it across the pond. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if you wouldn't want your grandmother to see you say it, don't say it is a, is a good one, but is a good rule to follow. Yeah, I, I, I have a, a similar analogy. I, I have no idea what Golden Girls is, but I can guess. <laughs> it's on um, Netflix. I encourage you to look it up. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll check it out. I mean, uh, the one I go for is um, something along the lines of, uh, you know, if you wouldn't be happy with what you're about to say being emailed to the vice chancellor or, or, or the principal with your name at the end of it, then don't say it. Um, but yes, yeah, similar kind of thing. O- on the guidance notes I put together at Warwick, I also, I it was, I also felt it was, uh, important to include contact details for people within the marketing team in case they got stuck and it kind of harks back to what Anise was saying earlier about the the incident in London um, but also lots of uh, tried to put lots of positives in there as well so a really strong encouragement to actually engage with any incoming messages as well rather than just being broadcasting all the time kind of reminding those students that it is a social media channel not just a broadcast channel and, and that that conversation is is a big part of it, and it's absolutely fine for them to be replying on behalf of the university on behalf of the university's channel for the duration of their takeover. I noticed we've talked a lot about student takeovers, and I'm curious. You know, one of the questions that I received for this episode from Twitter was it about alumni takeover? And Rebecca, I know you in particular uh, have experience with an alumni doing a, an alum taking over one of your channels. Do you want to talk about the the alum takeover? I would love to. Um, we, I, I got really lucky in that um, <clears throat> our alumni office had actually set me up with one of our, um, with an, an alumnus who is working in digital media and social media. And he, I think, was really just looking for someone to talk with about what he does professionally, someone who has a similar job um, to him. And in our conversation, he, you know, just stood out as he really knew what he was doing. He was very sharp. It worked out really well that he lives in New York City, which is far away from Knoxville, Tennessee, but an exciting place. And so I asked him if he would be willing to do an alumni takeover for us. And the New York City alumni chapter had an upcoming uh, day of service where they were going to be doing some cleanup work in Central Park. And so it was um, some of our alumni, but also some um, prospective students for us that were, you know, had already shown interest in our university and had connected with the alumni group. And um, we we are the Tennessee Volunteers. That's how we're known. And so to have this sort of opportunity to show volunteers in action, volunteers volunteering, uh, was uh, just a great, great tie-in for us for obvious reasons. Um, it was a great way of showing that with your degree from Tennessee, you really can go anywhere in the world. Um, I think as for a lot of our students, um, you know, they may come from small towns in our state. So to see someone who's gone to their school that's then off working, you know, in New York is um, just kind of a nice um, example of what's possible for you. Uh, but it, again, it was just a, it was it was a great day of social content for us. Um, we got to see all these, you know, bright orange shirts 
in in and around New York, they did the day of service, but then they also like, you know, he took us on a tour of Times Square and showed the place where the alumni chapter meets to watch football games during the fall. Um, so it, it was a great, uh, just one day that really hit home on so many of our messages, our key messages. Uh, but we'll also have alumni takeovers going on this summer for more um, volunteer projects that are going around the, going on around the country. So that one takeover really kind of um, encouraged us to do more of that type. I really love the idea of that, Rebecca. I think, so I must admit, in Surrey, we haven't done any alumni takeovers as of yet. Um, our alumni-specific accounts are becoming more active, definitely, um, under a new distributed governance strategy led by my social media manager, a lady named Emma Chandler. And it aims to connect up our, we've got roughly around 200 department accounts across campus, and we're really trying to connect them all up under kind of a consistent direction, a consistent quality, um, what we're offering from the central team is sort of supporting with training, building up this network of social champions outside of the central team. And, you know, this is where we could really start to see those specific accounts start to do more takeovers with alumni, for example. And I think that's a great idea. I feel like alumni is going to be a really powerful thing um, in the not too distant future because it, it, it kind of just completes that journey for a prospective student to, to really get their head around what coming to your university might offer. So yes, you get your current students on and doing takeovers to showcase what life on campus is like and what the academic side of things are going to be like and what the social life is going to be like. But to see that next step, and I know in the UK, students are increasingly interested in what's going to happen after university before they've even started so if you can get alumni voices into your channel to showcase what they're doing in the real world what what they've been able to do with a degree from that from that university um i think it's incredibly powerful and i'd love to see more of it happening um and it doesn't even need to be full-on takeovers as such i mean I, I don't know if you guys have seen the the terriers at work twitter account that boston university runs um but it's it's handed to a different Boston University alum for for a period of however long that they're able to manage it, and you just they just tweet what they're doing at work and and in their in their general life, and just as as a way of seeing what somebody who's graduated from that university is up to in the world now, it's it's fascinating, and it's it's again it's really genuine, really interesting, and just just helps fill the picture for any prospective students. If we're talking about giving access to these accounts to students and, in, and alumni who aren't even on campus, I'm curious how you're each handling that in terms of passwords or, or I guess even from a broader standpoint, just account access. So what are your, what are your processes for, for handling passwords and account access? I think Sari um, certainly aim to keep the operation as simple as possible. Um, and in my eyes, this doesn't really involve passwords. Um, I'd say for now, as we're focusing on students on campus, um, the solution we've got certainly makes sense, but we may have to evaluate that if we start to think of takeovers by international students or international alumni, for example. But currently we have two specific social media phones uh, with some lens attachments. Um, and their sole purpose really is for being used for event coverage, on-device content creation, and giving out to student ambassadors for takeovers. Um, the really useful aspect with this as well is that the student ambassador has to physically meet with the social media team beforehand to get the device, uh, but there can also be that pre-briefing on themes and ideas as well. And then the ambassador just, just returns the device at the end. 
Is there a plan in place if the device gets lost during the takeover? <laughs> um, well, we, we obviously trust uh, our student ambassadors, um, but um, in terms of if it were to go missing, um, the solution would probably be just to replace the device with another. I was just curious because we, um, I, I, I really like that that setup, and I would like for us to be able to do that. Um, but that's a question that I've continued to get. We got um, Snapchat spectacles, mm -hmm. and every time I want a student to use them, my boss says, "But what happens if they get lost?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's probably is a risk. Um, I think it, it comes down to, um, I guess, hopefully the the trust in in the in the ambassador, in the student, the host that uh, that you're working with. Um, things can get lost. I, I agree. Uh, hopefully. Um, where expensive things are being used, there's always that extra level of care. Um, and hopefully in, in planning the, the takeover, the theme and the kind of the journey, um, at least there can be some level of, um, I guess, minimizing where the device could have got lost if, if it should happen. actually talk about you know, a lot of you have mentioned snapchat so far in this episode if we turn our attention to the actual publishing of these takeovers uh what can you talk about the networks that you're using i, I know that everyone is using snapchat uh is anyone using other channels instagram facebook i know i've heard them mentioned a little bit less often in this episode um but how are you picking the, the platforms on which to run these takeovers as i as i mentioned for for the the one big takeover we did at Warwick when I was still there, we, we did that on Instagram. Um, and really the thinking behind that was was essentially because the Instagram following that Warwick has uh, by far and away the most engaged following of, of all the main channels that, that we have a presence on. Um, it just seemed like the best audience. It seemed like they would be the most responsive audience to having some students run it for a day. Um, and Instagram was a channel that the, that the Mambo 5 students were familiar with as well. So it, it, it wasn't like it was going to be a challenge for them to, to try and get their head around it. Um, at Warwick, they do, we do also use Twitter uh, um, for open days, um, but that's a specific Twitter account that's only rolled out for open days. Um, and that's very much just live in the moment coverage. Um, and once the open day is finished, um, the coverage finishes. What do you each think it is about Snapchat that makes it such an appropriate channel for social media takeovers? I think at Surrey, Snapchat's probably our most successful channel um, as most of our audience on there are already existing Surrey students. They like to see other Surrey students in action. Um, what it does help with is that prospective student audiences who are watching get a really authentic view of life at the university. And I think that's why we often see the most more positive engagement, positive results. We do run quite a broad spectrum of, um, of activity on the different channels. Um, we use our, our student ambassadors for Instagram and Snapchat stories mainly, um, but we've also used them for Twitter coverage, Facebook Live, and are looking to trial Insta Live soon. I think it, we really aim to, to pick the channels that offer the most, I guess, visual um, view of, of action at the university. Um, we're really proud and, and love our campus here. So any way that we can really show it off, um, we often think about the channels about that. I think for us, Snapchat is, um, 
you almost have to be truly authentic, you know, to be there. What you're sharing is happening in this moment. Um, you can certainly, there are um, accounts out there that are able to put out, you know, really finely produced pieces on, um, or stories on Snapchat. And it's very obvious when that's the case. Um, but it, I always think it's, you know, we're communicating with our students where they are. Um, they're already on Snapchat and they're able to see each other, see people that they know um, showing off the campus or showing what their day is. But it's just, it's it's almost harder to be inauthentic on Snapchat than some of the other platforms, if that makes sense. So um, it's just that direct communication with the students um, in a, a way that, you know, you're not I'm saying it all wrong. You're not kind of, you know, putting your rose-colored glasses over it. I agree. I feel for us, it's the one channel where students feel like they are not being marketed to. Um, they are free to do what they do with their peers. So there's less pressure there to be polished and speak in a tone that they may not otherwise do. So there, there's a lot less pressure, I would say. Um, our admission team does run Snap, um, Instagram takeovers. So they experiment with that. They see a lot of success there as well, too. Um, and they do take a more relaxed approach than the branded account does on Instagram as well. I'm curious about if the main content is happening on one channel, whether that's Snapchat or Instagram, are you taking advantage of the audiences that you have on other social media channels to raise awareness of the takeover? And if so, how you're going about that? Uh, I believe it was, uh, Dave, that you also mentioned you reach out to individual you know, evangelists to try to spread the word as well. Yeah, that's right. One of the things I ran when I was at Warwick was an internal network of, of digital champions. So it was a lot of people from across the university on the staff side who either had a responsibility for or an interest in digital things. So inev inevitably, that group covered a lot of the people running departmental accounts across campus. So when we knew we were going to do the takeover, obviously, we flagged it on our on our main corporate channel so on facebook and on and on twitter and i think we even pushed it on linkedin as well just in case any alumni were interested in seeing what what was going on but flagging it to that internal network of digital champions that that was really useful because then all the departmental accounts could promote it too so we were really catching um as many of the, uh, as much of the audience as, as we could really um, and we got lots of people joining in and, and pushing people in the direction of the takeover which just just made it that bit bit more powerful because actually the, when we went from from getting the students um signed up to to do the takeover we didn't actually have that long to promote it so having that internal network of champions who you could just fire one email off to and they would promote it in their areas um it just spread the news really quickly and made things made things a lot easier and a lot smoother yeah, we, uh, we promote ours on other channels. I usually ask the students to um, send me a selfie or some other photo of themselves that they like, and we can use that ahead of time to promote on especially Instagram and Twitter. We don't promote it on Facebook as often because I just feel that the audiences for us, um, those are different audiences. One thing we have done, um, depending on what the takeover is, you know, if it's around a specific event, we will include information about it in our um 
our faculty and staff email that goes out every day or um, our student kind of e-newsletter that goes out a couple times a week. So just, again, uh, you know, trying to drive eyes in that direction. We also cross-promote for some of the takeovers, not all of them. For example, if the student is doing a takeover from an interesting location or something of broad appeal is being covered, we do promote on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, We also share that the takeover is happening with the other social media channels um, on campus, for example, with a global office, if somebody is doing it from abroad with athletics department, if a student athlete is doing, and we also take advantage of their channels to promote that. We have seen a lot of success when we share it with our Um, snap code and you can see when somebody adds you from the snap code for example for orientation we posted that we would be we would be doing a snapchat takeover to show the students that cannot make it to campus what it's like to be at orientation and we gain upwards of 80 followers which is a huge deal at a class of 400 so i highly recommend cross-promoting yeah that's excellent and i'm also curious about how explicit you're getting in the structure of these takeovers. So, uh, Anissa, I just heard you, or uh, maybe it was Rebecca actually that mentioned, you know, getting that that introductory selfie, something that can assist in the promotion of a takeover. Uh, you know, how structured are you? Are you saying always start with a selfie, always end with a certain image, use a certain hashtag if it's on the appropriate channel? Uh, how explicit are you in those introductions? We're not real explicit at all. Like I, I want the students, again, you know, the whole thing is, the, the point of it is for them to be themselves. Um, I just ask that they introduce themselves and kind of give a heads up of what they're going to be doing that day. We've had students just do a picture and write on, you know, use the text to say their name, what year they are, where the day will take them. We had a student who took a selfie and then drew over it and made himself look like a pirate. Um, and that was a, a fun way to kind of, you know, just get to know his personality just a little bit in those first few seconds. Um, and most of them do videos, but it's, to me, a big part of the fun is seeing the, the different ways that they introduce themselves. We've had students have friends introduce them or kind of interview them a little bit. So um, it's fun to watch them kind of tackle this as a creative project. Um, so we're, we're really not, <laughs> you know, real um, specific in what they have to do other than introduce themselves, um, meet whatever goals they have for communicating that day, and then, you know, say farewell and invite people to follow them elsewhere if they want. It's very similar at Surrey as well. I think um, we like our students to feel like they can have their own style, make their own mark on their takeovers, um, and really want them to be individual and look different, I'd say, from the more corporate stories we do ourselves. And the only thing we really ask for is, is very similar. They introduce themselves and the topic of the story, and they sign off at the end. Yeah, likewise here. I mean, I would never have thought to start a takeover with a carpool karaoke to Disney songs. <laughs> um, it's totally not my genre of music, for one thing. Um, but but yeah, sim- similar to the other guys, the only requirements were really say hi at the start, say thanks and goodbye at the end, but otherwise just be creative in the middle. And also for me, I, I was quite keen for the people doing the takeover to make the most of, in- of Instagram's features as well. So we had pictures, we I've mentioned earlier, we went live. There was um, there was a boomerang in there and like it's really interesting to see how 
how differently people use boomerangs to how I might use a boomerang as well. So just, yeah, just being as creative as possible in the middle, really. Similar to everybody else, we do recommend a introductory selfie and have a sign off. But recently, I have also started to offer suggestions on how often to post, uh, depending on the nature of the takeover and what our expectations are for the takeover. Um, some of our students weren't sure they, they should post multiple times an hour or every few hours. So depending on the length of the takeover, I do offer some recommendation on, on how often to post. Yeah, that's a great point, Anise. And I know that, uh, speaking of the length of the takeover, that most of you are running these social media takeovers for, for just a single day. Can, Anise, and I'll start with you, can you talk about how you came to that idea of just having it limited to a, to a 24-hour takeover? So we experimented in the beginning with just covering little snippets or of events, and we've noticed that people do tune in, and sometimes um, we feel like, that was it. Um, we found the need to just kind of prolong it and just kind of have a day in the life of, essentially. So we, that's the kind of the approach that we take for most of our takeovers is show us a day in the life of you, wherever you may be. So um, that's how we came to the idea of extending it to a day. I think at Sari as well, we, we really aim to get across to our audiences that there's there's so many things so many different things happening and going on that the idea of having quite maybe short snap takeovers covering you know a single thing at a sink for an hour or a day uh, allows for i guess lots of them to be planned in relatively close in quick succession so you can get that sense of wow there's so many things going on um and i guess just there's an element of just uh, that, you know, very practically, the availability of the host as well. So we have to kind of think on both sides, really, of what, what would be great for our audiences, but, but practically, how do we best manage the time of someone who has lots of other things to do with their lives as well, like study, do exams, pass, get a career, live the rest of their lives, etc. I think, too, with the, um, the structure of Snapchat, a one-day takeover keeps everything in context because as you start losing those snaps you know, at the, the on-start of the takeover after 24 hours, um, you, most folks would tune in and see, oh, this is a student. We're going to be with this this kid for a while. But I think just the, the structure of the platform itself one day is really probably the, the optimum. Let's move to, to evaluating the success of these takeovers. And I'm curious, especially with Snapchat, uh, how are you each measuring success when it comes to social media takeovers? Because I know that they'll give you a little bit of data, but are you using a mix of quantitative and qualitative uh, insights or KPIs to, to measure the success here? I mean, it's fair to say that uh, the insight and data, certainly from Snapchat, some extent Instagram isn't particularly strong at the moment, so there's there's few elements that you can get out of it. Um, I'm certainly interested to see how that evolves over time. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, relatively sim- simple, I suppose. We track the number of views, uh, screenshots, things like retention or drop-off rate of Snapchat and Insta Stories, for example. Um, and we do aim to benchmark internally, so we use our own data to create an average kind of, we create average performance levels, and we aim to be above this for for new stories. Um, we do look at the qualitative comments and feedback as well. They're great to see uh, and great to hear. Um, 
and try and get that, yeah, I guess a bit of a combination between the two. We, I would, I would echo that. We are using both um, qualitative and quantitative. Um, I, I just really like, you know, a good anecdote that I can tell my boss of why what we've done <laughs> was a good idea or was successful. Um, one of the things that has stood out to me, um, again, you know, we have such limited data from Snapchat, um, but I really like looking at the things our followers are taking those screenshots of. Um, clearly, it's something that they want to keep for whatever reason. Um, some of the the biggest number of screenshots we've seen is um, if the Snapchat story has displayed some kind of information that, for whatever reason, our students decide is valuable to them. Uh, we had a takeover that um, was covering an event on having a safe spring break. So um, it covered everything from preventing, um, you know, sexual assault and violence to safe I don't want to say safe drinking, but what you should know <laughs> before you, you know, go on your big um, spring break trip. And there was a chart of um, the the symptoms you start to feel as you're drinking. And that's the mo- we, we've had more we had more screenshots of that one poster than anything else. So that told me that that was really valuable information to our students. And we needed to find other ways to get that information in front of them. Similar to the others, we use the Snapchat data to track the number of views, screenshots, and drop-off rate for our stories. But we also track um, over time to see if the view has gone up, if we're getting more screenshots. And we also compare the content of the stories to see which kind of story does best. Is it a takeover from campus? Is it one from abroad? And maybe the timing of it, we do notice uh, with the time difference sometimes the views um, can vary. So we try to plan for the time our constituency is awake, um, especially when we do takeovers from places like Australia. So um, it does offer some data and you do have to be creative on the way you want to track it. I think for the takeover I helped run um, on Instagram, um, similar to Tim, um, certainly made a note of things like likes and comments and live viewers and stuff and compared those against our, our weekly average benchmarks it was quite useful to be able to email around the team afterwards and say right yesterday's takeover mambo five reached more people on instagram than we do in an average week that that was a really powerful thing to say um but also looking looking at the actual content you know was it was it good content did people enjoy it did they engage with it and and as i alluded to earlier did it teach us anything about the kind of things that prospective students are really interested in that that could help shape future marketing campaigns really so i've already talked about sharing that insight but with with colleagues in the marketing team but i also shared that insight with the the mambo five students because you know they struggle for ideas for some of their videos sometimes So, so to be able to give them a list of all the questions that were asked in their live sessions there's 120 things that they could possibly talk about in future videos for their own channel as well which they were really pleased to have they they were probably as pleased to have that that insight as my colleagues in the marketing team were to be honest yeah i'm curious because you've each mentioned anecdotal feedback from the audience who's watching these takeovers i'm curious what has the feedback been for each of you from the actual students or alums who have uh, run the social media takeovers are they enjoying the experience what is the feedback that they're giving you i know for the for the mambo five takeover they were they felt it was a really positive experience for them. They, they, um, I sent them a, a copy of the data report the day after, and they, they emailed back 
very quickly with full of enthusiasm and and thanking me a lot for for getting them involved um and also we saw a tangible lift in in terms of subscribers to their own channel so for the duration of the uh, the takeover we actually changed our instagram accounts url to the mambo5 um youtube page um and they emailed a couple of days later to say say that they'd seen a big increase in subscribers and viewers so that that was a really nice added bonus not only were we clearly getting really good content on our channel that people were reacting to but the guys from mambo 5 got more people on their own page um, and got more people viewing this the the brilliant content that they're putting together as well our students have loved it we've had a few who we've invited back to do it again you know we don't want anyone to get bored of seeing the same faces all the time but some some students are just really really good at it and they love to do it um, I always encourage them to save the stories for themselves um, at the end of the day, especially for some of our students who might be um, marketing majors. This is something that can go on their resume, and they're all really, really excited about that. Let's move to this kind of tips from the pros section of the show. And I want to give you each a chance to share one piece of wisdom uh, for our audience from your experiences with social takeover. So, Tim, I'll start with you. Uh, what is the one thing that you would say to someone, one piece of advice for someone who's considering a social media takeover? So the one area I'm keen to get my team more advanced on is listening to what our audiences are talking about, what they're asking for, in order to plan the themes and content for our next takeovers. With tools like Brandwatch or Pulsar to monitor social media chatter, you can link business needs with those specific angles that audiences will be interested in and engage with as they'll feel really relevant to them. And now that both Snapchat and Instagram stories allow you to link to your website for more detail, don't forget about that next step of the journey on mobile devices. For me, it comes down to trusting your students that you're you're getting involved to do the takeover for you. Um, I think, and this can be applied to, to getting any kind of frontline person involved in your social media channels, anyone who isn't in the central marketing team. But I think if you show the students who are running your takeover that you trust them to not do anything problematic, to not screw up essentially, and you show that you've picked them because they are awesome then generally they're going to respond and they will prove you right um, and as Rebecca said students are savvy about their digital footprints now they're going to see running a takeover as something they can put on their CV or their or their resume um, or, or, or even just on their LinkedIn profile um, and obviously takeovers they're not without risk but I think trusting the students can be immensely powerful. Anise, what would your key piece of advice be for someone considering a social takeover? My advice is to pay attention um, to what goals and see what messages can be best delivered by your students and let them do it in their own way. Not everything needs to have institutional or your brand voice behind it. Sometimes some messages can be best delivered by the students themselves. And Rebecca, how about you? What advice would come out of Knoxville, Tennessee? <laughs> Uh, my advice would be the same advice for any other social endeavor, which is just to be authentic. Um, you know, our students, I'm sure everyone else has experienced this. They ask you what they should be saying, what they should be doing, how they should do it. Um, and they're going to be more successful with their takeover if they're free to be themselves. 
Um, you want them to be the best version of themselves. Again, the version that's going to sit down and have tea with grandma. But um, you want them to to speak, as Anissa said, speak in their own words. And, you know, the way that we all want to carry out our brands in an authentic manner on our Twitter accounts and our Facebook pages, you want you want the people doing your takeovers to, to be authentic. Well, I want to thank you all for, for jumping on the hashtag Higher Ed Podcast and sharing your insights with our audience. And before we let you go, I, I want to make sure that I give each panelist an opportunity to promote themselves and, and promote the accounts that you run. And Rebecca, let's stick with you in Tennessee. Where can our listeners find you online? Well, everyone should obviously follow us, on uh, follow the University of Tennessee um, on Twitter and Instagram. We are UT Knoxville, also on Facebook. Um, you can find me at Bogwink, which is a little odd, I know. It's B-O-G-W-I-N-K. Um, that's Twitter. Um, and on LinkedIn, I'm just R.B. Winkler. Tim, how about you? Where can our listeners find you online here? So, yeah, certainly um, keep an eye on what we're doing at the university level on our social channels. So at Uni of Surrey across Twitter, Instagram or Snapchat. And if you want to find me, you can find me at Tim Schwartz UK on LinkedIn. Sticking with our guests from across the pond, Dave, where can our guests find you online? Uh, so if you want to find me, I'm Dave Musson on Twitter and Instagram. So that's Dave and then M-U-S-S for sugar, O-N for November. Um, Dave Musson 85 on LinkedIn. Um, as, as I mentioned, I, I no longer work for Warwick, but that's no reason not to check in with what they're doing. They do some great stuff on social media. Um, their Instagram is University of Warwick and they are Warwick Uni on Twitter. On Twitter. Um, and if you want to stay up to date with where, where I'm now working, which is Net Natives, um, they are Net Natives. And last but certainly not least, Anise, where can our listeners find you? Uh, we are at, at Wheaton on Twitter and at Wheaton MA on Snapchat. And I am at Anise Barboza everywhere. And of course, each week on this show, we try to give our guests an opportunity to share the to share the love and and spread the wealth here and and give a shout out to someone who uh, a colleague of theirs that deserves more recognition uh and let's let's go reverse order anise uh, i believe you came with someone in mind for this i did i would like to give a huge shout out to my colleague sonia targoncides we are a two-person integrated marketing team and her creativity keep us advancing our goals and have a lot of fun doing it Dave, how about yourself? I believe you also had someone in mind. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to my favorite person from Iowa who isn't a member of the band Slipknot. Um, <laughs> and that, that is the brilliant Eric Stoller, and he doesn't wear masks either. Um, he is at Eric Stoller on Twitter. Um, so he, he is a thought leader. He's an inspirational speaker, um, and he's already made a massive impression in the UK since he moved over here a couple of years ago. Um, he blogs for Inside Higher Ed, uh, and all of those posts are great. He's well worth a follow on Twitter, and he's very recently become a dad for the first time as well. He's just an all-round, knowledgeable, higher-ed social media superstar, and you should definitely follow him. Yeah, and congratulations all around to, to Eric, who's got quite a lot going on uh, personally and professionally, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Tim, how about you? So yes, I, I mentioned her before, but my, my rock star who most definitely deserves a shout-out is Emma Chandler, the social media manager in my team. 
a complete force for social good uh, and has recently been instrumental in setting up our operation to cover WeChat. Um, we're now up and running with a planning process, uh, translation operation and in-country content implementation to talk about the wonderful things that happen at Surrey all the way over in China. I love that and getting it started on a, on a new channel. So great for Emma. Everyone should go find, uh, find Emma online here. Uh, Rebecca, how about you? I know that you also had a, an individual in mind for this segment. I probably had like eight individuals in mind, <laughs> but I really want to give a shout out to Jesse Lawrence. She is the director of communications for our alumni office. Um, and, and I think most of us are giving shout outs to people we work with, but I would be a huge fan of Jesse's no matter where she worked. She has led social media giving campaigns for our university for the past two years. They raised over a million dollars each year just through the social media efforts of this giving campaign. Um, it's been a huge undertaking and she's an absolute rock star. Um, and she's, come up with all these new ways to get our alumni engaged in social media and really telling the story of our university. Um, she also just had a baby. So she's on maternity leave with little boy number two. So she's just doing amazing things in every aspect of her life. New parents are making, are making the world turn both, both in the office and at home. Well, again, I want to thank everyone here uh, for being on the show today. I I've really enjoyed this conversation and personally felt like we probably could have gone longer, but in the interest of everyone's commute times or, or whatnot, I, I think this is a great place to stop. So uh, thank you all for joining the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everyone.